1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Hey, rockers. Today's guest is singer, guitarist, producer, and songwriting extraordinaire, Butch Walker. Butch and I jump into the deep end and dissect the 1998 hit single, Freak of the Week, from one of Butch's previous bands, The Marvelous Three. Taken from their 1998 record called Hey Album, Freak of the Week rose to number five on the modern rock radio charts and solidified Butch as a songwriting force to be reckoned with. From there, he cultivated a successful solo career and shot to superstardom writing songs for some of the biggest names in pop music. Butch and I talk about musical imperfections within a song and how those beautiful mistakes can really add an authentic human emotion to a track. We talk about a number of his musical influences and how each and every one of them bled into this particular song. And I recall the story to Butch how he completely earned my respect and admiration as a songwriter when we sat down together to pen a song some years ago. For all this and much more, stick around. Hey,
2: hey, have you heard Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a
0: podcast.
3: I'm in Tennessee. We pretty much spend most of our time back in back in the South now. Um, I'm like three hours from where I grew up. So yeah. Yeah. it's kind of nice you know to be back there but I'm also in proximity I'm super close to I'm right outside Nashville which a lot of my friends live here or uh, much to the locals dismay a lot of them are moving here uh, so um, <laughs> yeah so I'm part of the problem but yeah it's um, it's great you know I'm still going back and forth to California a lot because our, our kids in school there still and uh, that's tricky you know to, to make oh, a transition. Sure. Sure. Uh, but it's good and you know we kind of up uplifted our, our roots out there that we had for 13 years that took me out there for work you know mostly years ago and um, realized after I could pretty much make records anywhere and I've got a little studio that's pretty awesome out west that I just lock up and leave it and when I come back I can make records there and you know, as long as as long as I can afford that, I'm going to do it <laughs> until I can't afford it.
0: R- right on. Well, I'd like to give the listeners uh, 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 a little history here with Butch. I've been following your career since 1990. Butch played in a band out of Atlanta called South Gang, which uh, the record was produced by Howard Benson, who, as a lot of my listeners know, ended up working with Less Than Jake on a couple records. So the the history kind of runs deep here. I loved South Gang. I think the song Tain an Angel is absolutely amazing. Ah! Then the crazy thing is, uh, South Gang uh, breaks up, and Butch, Jace Fincher, the bass player, and Doug Mitchell, the, the, the drummer of South Gang, go on to for- form Floyd's funk revival, which morphed into just the Floyds.
2: the I wonder what wonder what you're doing.
0: I saw the Floyds at the Covered Dish and the Florida Theater in Gainesville. Wow. I didn't know you were in the band. This is pre-internet. I didn't know it was you guys. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea this was South Gang, now with the Floyds, which is Completely just a... Completely different, yeah. Which is a mind trip. And then from there, you, Jace... And Doug went on to form Marvelous Three, and uh, you know, not blowing smoke uh, up up your backside here, Butch. I have talked about you more times over the years, especially to younger bands. I've given you as the example about reinvention. Okay, mm. you just kept knocking down doors. It is so admirable, you know. From from Marvelous- my back
3: hurts so bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mine too. I'm not young anymore. Um no. but but you went. From Marvelous Three, of course. Uh, in 2002, you put out your first solo record, Left of Self-Centered, and 04 mm-hmm. you put out Letters. Uh, and you've done a number of records since then. And then you got into songwriting with other people. Okay, you've written for SR71. You uh, co-wrote their uh, their hit right now, uh, "Girl All the Bad Guys Want" with Bowling for Soup. You've written for Taylor Swift, Avril Lavigne. And you just keep, as I said, pushing down doors. it is It is so awesome. So, uh, today, Butch Butch wanted to talk about Freak of the Week, which I was living in Atlanta in Grant Park, which you had a song on your next record called Grant Park. <laughs> Amazing. when ninety when ninety nine x was blowing this song up. And the first time I heard it, I was like, holy hell, what is this? Because you know, late 90s, what the climate was, there wasn't much rock on the radio and this had an alternative tinge to it. But once I found out it was you, again, pre-internet, and I, I heard this song a couple of times before I, they, they, you know, if, if the radio announcer didn't announce who the hell it was, you didn't know. You'd have to wait till the next time they played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I found out it was you, it made sense. I'm like, Butch is a hard rock guy and I can hear it. And uh, it was Wolf in
3: Sheep's Clothing, that song for sure.
0: And that was by Design. <laughs> No, no. You again. You reinvented yourself. So, take us back to to this time period. You know, you, Marvelous Three put out their first record in 1997, "Math and Other Problems," uh, which was followed by the Hay album in 1998. And I understand that that and I didn't know this that it was uh, released independently on Marvelous Records. When did Electra pick up the record?
3: So let me try to just get back a couple of brain cells and remember uh, what happened. Was we put it so we put out that second album on uh, under just a yeah i don't even know if that was a legitimate record label we just we just put a fucking name on it and sure and and, <laughs> and um and and uh, we we had put out we'd gotten you know had distribution through uh uh some local people that had helped just kind of distribute it to mom and pop stores because that's pretty much all we were going to get at the time and you know if you go back to that era where there was this thing called a record store you know getting in distribution was very important because the only tangible product at the time was still a cd and so that's all we had to 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 get our music out there because we certainly weren't on the radio and we had shopped and shopped and shopped uh, ourselves to the you know major label world uh in search of that last holy grail you know major label record deal uh but went back when the arms of your career rest in theirs and you know it's not <laughs> it, it it it's not that way anymore which is awesome but um for for you know for new people coming up i'm i'm very excited how it works now at, but back then, we were just, we were ignored by everybody because we were, we always, and we, we knew it because we kind of joked, we were like, let, you know, we're, we're a band that forms with an image and style and sound that was five, maybe five years too early, but 15 years too late. And so that was our, kind of our motto. And we just stuck with it and said, maybe we're, maybe we're just a little ahead, you know, <laughs> every mm-hmm. time we got, every time we got, uh, you know, shut down by, because we didn't sound like whatever band at the time you know we didn't sound exactly like the all the other number bands and we didn't sound like uh, a, a textbook punk pop band and we didn't sound like a metal band and yeah. all those were big at, at the in the late 90s or, or or emerging at least you know and then mm-hmm. and 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 then you know rap metal and things like that we just we were more of a just kind of a snarky you know i don't want to use the word punk loosely because we 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 definitely were more punk in our in our image because at the time there wasn't a lot of bands wearing skinny black jeans and ties and eyeliner and label i remember labels you know who thought they knew everything were just like going you know why do they why, why are you guys dressed like the knack you know like, it's cool. That's uh, <laughs> cuz the knack was fucking cool, bro. And also yeah. <laughs> and, and also like let's let's take a chance on something that's 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 not really being, you know, done or whatever. And I'm not saying we we certainly didn't invent this. We there was a lot of bands un- bubbling on the underground that and and a lot of punk bands too that that were kind of adopting that sense of style and putting some of that rigid, almost new wave element into the guitar playing in the music. And we were like obsessed. We were obsessed with, with the cars. And I mean, we were obsessed with everything. We were all three just walking music encyclopedias. And so yeah. that that's why over the years, there was all these different reinventions, because whatever we would all get into listening to and I completely promise I will answer your question. Uh, but I, no, I have not begun to do this yet. But um, <laughs> you know, the, the 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 thing is is we would um you know we would all get on kicks and, and go like, oh man, this is all like the early late seventies, early eighties New York scene, which we were we were really into on the first Marvelous Three record, which is why we kinda we we were stealing, you know, moves from all kinds of groups at that time. I remember when, um, this, this will eventually answer the question about the song and when it came out is when we put that second record out, I, I had played it for Jace, uh, who's still my best friend to this day, the bass player. And, um, and I played him the, you know, the, the, the record, cause I, it was just the demos obviously, cause he had not heard them. He'd not played on them yet. I just yeah. did the demos in my bedroom and I played him uh freak of the week. And I remember i totally slogged it off i was just like oh yeah and then this is like a kind of a fucking throwaway novelty like attempt at a hit song (laughs) and and i didn't care at the time i we we didn't want to do that we just wanted to we wanted to be successful on our own terms and whatever i mean but but the the irony and the and the hypocrisy is we all want to be big right so it's like at the same time we would hope we were able to like get through but i didn't think it would be that song i thought it was whatever I was probably just being a little too snobby with myself at the time and thinking that uh, I had so much better songs written than this, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but like Jace was like, he was, the, he was the barometer because he was not a music critic, he was a music lover. And he listened and he goes, that's the one, that's the song. And I was like, really? That This song? The song about coming to terms with selling out? Know because he's not going to bull crap you, he's your best friend, right? And uh, so the irony was, you know, here we were getting ready to push this song about coming to terms with selling out (laughs) 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 that I had written, hopefully not about me, but um, but but it turned out to be, (laughs) and um, and and it's only because you know that was Jason, he put that in my head that that maybe that song had some juice or something, and uh, so the next move was to go into 99x. Uh, which was the the alternative radio station that was just one of the top stations in the country at this time. And Leslie Fram, the program director, who was just um, blowing up as like, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, the the tastemaker at the time for for the listeners.
0: This was, this was 99X out of Atlanta.
3: That's right. Out of Atlanta. And they, they were playing everything that was playing the big festivals and they were putting on all the big festivals and and if your band was getting played in heavy rotation on that station you were probably thriving at that moment or about to and all the other stations around the country would like follow suit if they started playing your song yeah. uh sort of the they same the way they did with k-rock yeah that's right yeah. we were the k-rock <laughs> of the south yeah. and so there was a local dj there named steve and steve was incredible he had a locals show called Locals Only on Sunday nights. And you know, nobody tuned into that shit except for musicians hoping to hear their song on the radio. Because no one was listening to the radio on Sunday night, you know. Yeah. And so they, you know, sadly that's where that's where they would play all the local stuff. And, you know, you're if you're lucky you'd get your one spin a week, you know, on there. But hard as hell to break out of that and in, into like um into mainstream radio play. Especially with, when it's all local unsigned bands, right? Yeah. Uh, so Steve heard it. I went over to his desk. He was at his cubicle, and I played him the little CDR, uh, you know, that I had made. And he heard the first song. And he he was skipping around, and then he got to like the third or I buried Freak of the Week on it, you know. And he heard that, and he listened to literally. It only takes twenty seconds to get to the chorus of that song. We're and,
0: gonna get there. Yes, I'm glad you pointed yes. that out.
3: <laughs> and so, um, so. You know, he listened, and when it got to the chorus, after the chorus, he shut it off, and he just looked at me, and he goes, follow me. And he got up, and I was like, what the fuck is he doing? He got up, and he walked into Leslie's office while she was in the middle of a meeting with the doors closed. And Steve goes, you have to hear this. And I was like, what the, what the hell is going on here? Is he, is he going to lose his job? Is she going to be, you know, get, get the fuck out of my office? Um, and uh, and no, She stopped the meeting and goes, hey, uh, yes, I've heard of you. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of your, you know, I play a lot of your friends bands because a lot of our friends that had were in bands that were already starting to kind of take off and were already on the radio and stuff. And so we were we were pretty left out in the cold and feeling pretty uh, bad about ourselves by this point and not like able to. We just felt like maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe we should just like, you know, make a textbook record of whatever is, you know, fashionable at the time but we didn't want to do that so we took that cdr in and she she put on the first few songs again just like he did kind of skipped her skipped through them after like 30 seconds she's like that's good That's, that's good you know she was like nice and then she got the freak of the week same exact thing she got after the chorus she turned it down and goes that that song's a hit she's like do you mind if i start playing it and i was like oh my god don't please don't fuck with my emotions right now I was, like, <laughs> I was like please be be telling the truth because this is going to destroy me if you don't because that was just like the it was sort of like you know i don't know it's not like winning the lottery but it is for a musician for a young guy who's been slugging it out on the road 200 days a year's whole life and like this is finally a shot that at the time that was the only time you had a shot Well, and you can't
0: put enough emphasis on 99X. They were the K Rock of the South. They were. They were so influential. What you know, other playlists would look at what they were playing, and I love this story because I have said so many times on this show and outside of this show, and and I know you you think the same thing, Butch. I know that you have songs that you've produced or written, and that just for whatever reason didn't become a hit at radio, but you know in your heart that they were a hit. You know, and in my opinion, this should have been the. V, if not one of the biggest songs in 1999, this song is awesome. Um, huh. I, I loved it from the from the first time I heard, it. and it's so great for, of you to tell the story of how and and there's it's such a running theme on this podcast of yeah this was just another song I kind of buried it I, it was kind of a joke you know yeah. and and that became the one it's the one you you didn't think of
3: no and and that was just it it was every record company including Electra, turned us down up to that day and then she started playing it and phones went crazy for it requests. And then every station started adding it across the board. And then it just started climbing very fast up to like top five eventually. And then so every single label the very next week, she told me, she, Leslie was like, she's like, don't sign anything yet. <laughs> and I thought that was pretty cool and cocky of her to say that because she was like, she was like, those record companies are all going to like eat crow and come back after you now. That's and of so course, r- and, and, then, and then there was a bidding war. Uh, right, us, and you know, including the late one of the labels that turned us down that's so, so awesome now was was the track she was playing
0: freak of the week was that the same one that Electra picked up meaning was that when Electra got a hold of the record a lot of times they want to do a remix so they want to add parts was it the same thing
3: this was the inspiring producer uh aspiring producer in me where i i was not happy with this being out there on the radio uh because everyone else was like no, it's great. It's 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 the one getting played all over the radio, and it was literally my my rough mix that I had done on a sixteen track, you know, recording setup in 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 my bedroom. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Like the drums were on two tracks, you know, just like there was no in. You couldn't even mix. If you sent this to to a mixer to mix, they couldn't even do anything because I had I had grouped everything down to two tracks each. Oh wow! Because I didn't have enough tracks. I only had yeah. sixteen tracks, and so I was like, okay the drums are all on two tracks. <laughs> so <laughs> if they wanted to like bring up the snare drum or bring up the kick drum or EQ it, you can't, can't do it. Tough yeah. shit. So poor man's
0: um, poor man's multi-track.
3: Yeah, and I didn't know anything about record really not anything about recording or mixing at the time. I was I wanted to be a producer engineer and I try I was I was getting better at it obviously. This was listenable what they were playing on the radio and by the time I got on the radio with all the radio compression it actually sounded Almost as good as anything done by you know slick producers and engineers and mixers is what people said, but I okay. was I was very much under the under the guise of it needs to be recorded right, you know. So, okay. but I didn't want to lose the whatever magic they heard so. You know what we did is we went up to Bearsville, New York where we needed we, we still needed to finish the record, the record. Now was this
0: with the producer Jim Ebert who co-produced the record with you?
3: Yes, so he did not produce that song. I had done that myself. But okay. Jim, Jim and I got together to go to Bearsville to finish the record. So what we did is we okay. took we took my tracks and we built around them and re-recorded the drums properly and did all that to it and you know this is all obviously textbook anti-punk rock move. Is to like re-record your shit and and you know take take the grit out of it so to speak. Everybody thinks that's what happens, right? Well, it sounds Um, like you
0: kept the integrity of the song though. You kept the parts you needed.
3: We we it's absolutely the same recording. It was just literally redoing the drums uh, on that one, uh, so that we could have it properly mixed by a guy, you know, probably a three name guy who was like doing all the radio mixing at the time, you know. So we, we we ended up giving it to. Tom Lord Algae I think at the time to to mix it and it was really funny because that was a time when unfortunately someone who was just mixing your record who had zero you know skin in the game on your record at all they were not there for the blood and sweat and the tears but they're there to either completely elevate it with their mixing skills or destroy it and (laughs) And so yeah. he uh he sent it back while the song was on the radio and blowing up he sent the mix back that we were going to service to radio and like replace the other one the other version with uh just because it just sounded bigger and a little spankier but he he took he took out the intro which was the the little like lo-fi kind little, little of little sample drums, the drum loop thing, which was yeah. very very much the signature to the song. So when you heard sure. it come on, when when that would come on at shows, people knew what they were getting and they would go fucking mental. When, yeah, when they heard the yeah for sure. He took it out and and like didn't even use it in this in this in the mix. And and I remember I called him and this is when mixers were so cocky and getting overpaid like you And would who the believe, hell are you kid? and yeah. get and getting percentage points for mixing your record something you created. Um <laughs> yeah. you know it, it, that's one step above like giving the mastering guy a, a point <laughs> which which was everybody was just trying to get a, a fucking percentage point on a record when records were selling. Yeah. Uh, and so he sent it back like that and we all listened to it and we're like well you left out like one of the key points of the the you know, the identity of the song from the get-go. The heartbeat of the song. And I remember he just said, eh, what are you going to do? That's what he said to me. And I was like, well, I I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you to put it fucking back in is what I'm going to tell you to do. (laughs) And if you don't, I'll send it to somebody else, which I'm sure you're not used to that ever happening to you, but I will. And, and sure enough, like it got put back in and the mix sounded great. He did a great job on it. But at the same time, there was like, half the stations never switched pl- the, the versions. They played the old version that was done in my bedroom DIY on my little 16 track recorder.
0: And that's interesting. And when you went to Bearsville, I'm assuming that for this time period, it's right on the cusp of Pro Tools. Was it all to tape? Or did you dump everything to Pro Tools when you went with Jim?
3: No, interestingly. Um, so and this is a cool part of the story is I'd never had money. I'd never I would always been just the textbook broke musician, you know, struggling getting by with a hundred dollar gig here and there. And when I'd record local bands on like my little eight track and 16 track setup, you know, I would get like $200 a day. And then I was still doing that up to that point. I was still having to do that for just, just to, just to pay, you know, for, you know, groceries and whatever, you know, cause I was luckily I was living, I was literally just house sitting in somebody's guest house, which is, which is where I was crashing. And I had a little setup in the corner and it was, um, I, and then I'm trying to remember what was the setup. It was probably like ADAT. You remember those? Oh, of course. Yeah. So it was like these, yeah. these, these literally these VHS tapes, you know, that you used as your recording format and you put them in the thing like a VCR and you could record up to eight tracks on it. You could link. They'd have to several... chase each other, and they yeah. get stuck. Yeah, and you could you could link you could link two machines or more together. Yeah. So I had two of those machines because they were cheaper th- at the time than tape, and it was way cheaper to buy the tapes to record on than it was analog reel to reel. And I grew up, ma- and I'd made records on analog my whole life, you know, yeah. on some form of reel to reel. And so when I had that that was cool, but it still didn't sound great. I had like a really funky, crappy board, you know, just very, I think I had like a 12 channel board and one compressor and like a couple of microphones and that's all I had. And, um, and so this was kind of cool. My girl, she, this was like, Jesus, this was over 20 years ago, but um, I was like talking to the local records, the, the local music store uh, who had just gotten in a um, a used Pro Tools rig, and it was a new thing, you know, still at the time, but it was progressing fastly, and a lot of people were making their records on it. And I knew this, and I was like, God, one of these days, I'm going to have to see if I can ever afford a computer and learn this computer recording, because I can see that I can see this is going to be the wave of the future. There was a yeah. lot of records starting to get played on the radio that were made strictly in computers that sounded yep. like they were made sort of on tape, you know. And um, and it was just improving and getting better and, and the quality and the track count and all these things was just was just progressing quickly. That's why there was a used system at this music store because somebody had upgraded already to the next version. Yeah. And it was it was the it was this RB uh, this R and B group from Atlanta called Silk that brought their old system in. Oh,
2: Let me get you up and now do you say stop?
3: A 16 track version of Pro Tools. That was it. No more tracks than that. Very limited interface, very limited everything. It's probably um, version one. I think it probably had a one, God, what was the hard drive? Like a 500 megabyte. Yeah, hard drive. It was like rack mounted in like three rack spaces. And, um, (laughs) and the computer was ancient, like the, one of the first Macs, you know, that you could actually record with. But I was at the time, you know, they wanted like four grand for it. And I was like, that's, I don't, I've never had four grand in my life. And so it was awesome because, uh, my girl went, she put this, she put it on layaway and I didn't know it. And then ended up buying it for me with her bartending money.
0: That's awesome. I
3: was like, I'm not, I don't want to take this, you know? And it was, she was like, well, that's tough shit, you know? And, uh, you know, I was like, I promise I'll pay you back one day. <laughs> and, uh, and sure well, enough, it, kind of, it
0: sounds like it, it, that was the core, one of the courses that, that, uh, put you where you're at now. It's I, like,
3: I, it, it absolutely set you on that pair, on that course. It, it it did. It set, it it set the course because yeah. Because I immediately got, dove in headfirst and started learning how to op, how to operate a Mac or a computer at all, and then how to record into it, and then all trial and error. And I would stay up Brian Wilson style in a robe and and like underwear, you know, like 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 Ron Burgundy, you know, just like sitting at the console with growing a beard and and like till six in the morning when the sun coming up, falling asleep on the mouse, and then next thing you know, like. I had that that marvelous three record that was the first thing I had done on a computer, and it and that was the first time I did. Uh, that's when I did Freak of the Week. Because that's awesome, man. And so that yeah, it was all that chain of events, and th- and that was just like uh, that was the start of it. And and I'm 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 just so I love telling that story just because of how. Awesome! It was to have her take a leap of faith when nobody else believed in me at that time. You
0: know. No, and there's a, there's a good chance you might have missed the boat on on getting educated to record and learning computers. I mean, you were you were on the uh, the forefront of this, and you had to be back then. Uh, yeah. Because it, it was it was so new. I knew so many people. I had an engineer one time say to me, eh, he called it slow tools." Oh, like, that's we all never,
3: called it that. that that's yeah. never
0: gonna take. I mean, hell, it, it took. You, sometimes some of those old Macs would take a half hour just to boot up. But uh, oh, we're dude. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna jump. jump Jump into the song uh, right now. Uh, Freak of the week is three minutes and twenty seconds long. Right in that pop wheelhouse uh, uh, for a length of a song. It starts with the three-second drum drum loop sample before the band kicks in. Uh, The sample then sits underneath the band. It's still there while the band in. There's these killer just stereo guitars doing these eighth notes panned off while this arpeggiated guitar part is following the bass. It's kind of this hypnotic sounding little riff. I love it. At 11 seconds and this moves quick as bitch uh,
1: I said bitch
2: <laughs>
0: edit Chris, edit Oh don't,
3: no, don't edit that
0: I did not mean to call you that. I love you, Butch. Um, At 11 seconds, as Butch said this song, uh, see, sometimes I talk too fast. I should have been an auctioneer. Uh, This song moves (laughs) quick, as as he mentioned a little bit before. At 11 seconds, we're already in the first verse. And uh, I want to read these lyrics out. and I want you to set them up for us. I spend a lot on all the clothes that I got because all the geeks that I meet, they all look cooler than me. What to do when they're all looking at you because you're the freak
3: of the week. Cause you're on the TV. What are you saying there? <laughs> that was just like at the time, you know, I was seeing a lot of, uh, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all. Maybe I do maybe cause I, I probably did then, but I wouldn't now, you know, when I was full of piss and vinegar and just a snarky asshole, you know, 20 something. And I was, and I'd came from, you know, mostly rock that had, uh, an image and was like, you know, ha- had something kind of flash or whatever. And, And just also growing up in that rock world, I noticed all of a sudden there started to be like this like um, professionally groomed and styled, you know, band that clearly didn't probably have any style, (laughs) but had a good song. And then they went through the puppy mill of getting signed to a major label. They they immediately throw them with a stylist and they dress them up in all these clothes that, that look really uncomfortable. By the way, I'm imitating this because after Marvelous 3 got signed, we had some awful looks. And and it was all due to influence of like you know oh wear this this is very hot right now and so. <laughs> Do you and still so have your you, red leather jacket. I I wish it burned in the fire the first time. Oh man. yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I yeah, know. You, it, it, I love that jacket. And you wore that
0: at music music midtown when I saw you guys. I'm a, like that's awesome. Good
3: jacket. <laughs> but um but yeah it was you know it was kind of like I'd see these bands and I could tell that like they were probably just like you know art school students or or you know or just like you know frat guys or whatever and all of a sudden they're you know all of a sudden they're getting dressed up in like lots of shiny shirts and leather and stuff and I'm like god they don't look very comfortable in that they, it doesn't seem like legit yeah and it, like I said at the risk of me sounding like a hypocrite I've had many faulty looks but at the time I thought me as well. I thought my shit didn't stink at the time although it did and so that song was written as like a piss take on on that on that whole scene because this was the whole process of the of textbook sellout, you know, right? Like, they've, yeah. like like the band leaves the nest when they're playing to their fans in like Crocs and, and shorts. And then all of a sudden they're, they're on the video and they're wearing like, you know, Gucci and Prada and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, what
0: happened? Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with the Spotify Canvas Generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings, all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia with its simple interface and customizable mastering options Artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting DistroKid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. That's DistroKid.com slash VIP slash Demakes. So, so, like I said, I'm, just, I'm guilty
3: as charged.
0: Right, and it was, it's uh, kind of like these were just kind of fun lyrics and you were, you were being a little Super snarky. Super fun, snarky. Yeah, I get it. Uh, on the second and fourth lines uh, of the song, there's a harmony on each of those lines, but it's a really subtle Harmony. It's not really stuck out. It's just, it's very back there, but it just adds something.
2: the got, all the they look cooler
0: And then at the 25 second mark, man you're already at the chorus and the it just explodes uh, there's percussion that comes in here it's almost panned uh, kind of to the right it's like you got tambourine and some shakers um, and uh, it's just it just gets really big and the lyric is can you make me a promise stop it before we begin will you hold onto my head if I ever lose it again and there's harmonies on the first three lines the last line is just you alone We're on
2: the day. <laughs>
0: set up these lyrics what so so uh you're being snarky at the at the verse and and, and where are you taking us here
3: well I, I guess it just depends on who you're like who that chorus is ask is asking that of you know whether it's you praying to some god or 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 asking your girlfriend at the time please make me a promise you know let's stop this before it begins you know don't let my head get out of the game or get too big for my britches that's that's what that you know next line means hold on to my head if i ever lose it again and so, it, like I said, it's just this its this inner battle, inner struggle with with said artist who's putting their shit out there, and you're yeah. about to lose the plot. You
0: know? I love that lyric. Will you hold on to my head if I ever lose it again? It's awesome. And right um, after the word begin on the second chorus lyric, Stop It Before We Begin, Jace does this really cool descending bass line. It's, it's super simple, but it's just perfect. Stop it before we begin tasteful. I, I love the playing. I love the the w- w- what's going on here. I'm assuming Jace played on the record.
3: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah everybody okay. did. Yes, yeah. Because yeah, I've seen him
0: live. He's a ripper. So I, I you he's know, you a just great never... bass player he's awesome he's awesome but just i this man it just gives me the goosebumps when that when that bass line came in there it's just so cool um at the end of the chorus there's the total i i in my notes here i wrote the total rock moving guitar parts and then on the double snare there's a clap clap yeah (laughs) always gotta have claps Was that something you wanted there or something Jim came up with or this was all you?
3: I don't remember if Jim did too, but we were, uh, you know, this was the record was let's make the cars and the Ramones and, and uh, let's combine all of these elements, you know, let's, let's get the. So, so hand claps were a commonality in all of that, you know, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, the knack, as you said, yeah, absolutely. Like my Sharona, like uh, people just respond to them, you know, and it's yeah. a, it's a people mimic it live, and it's fun, and and it, it also just makes a snare sound uh, badass. It does, and it's just <laughs> it. It yeah. only
0: happens once in this song that, you know. Yeah. But man, it's just, just so. It's such. It's such a hook, and it's those little things that all add up to a hit song. And you wonder why it's a hit, you know. And regardless of what it did on the charts, that that little uh, little added cla- those two claps are just perfect. That's awesome. Uh, we we get into the reintro. It's the same length as the top of the song, but that arpeggiated guitar picking part comes comes in. That what I was saying, the hypnotic uh, haunting part. But I notice it's louder here in the mix. I'm, I'm assuming
3: that I'm, I'm assuming
0: that was intentional.
3: Absolutely. It, yeah, at least it, it
0: sounds louder than the, first one, at, the at the first uh, part of the song.
3: Yeah, it, it does and is for sure. Yeah. You know. Okay. And, uh, and uh, maybe maybe that's when it became doubled, uh, maybe by a second guitar.
0: Quite and, possibly, and maybe that's why it sounds fuller. And I'm, I can't I'm a, remember.
3: I'm a, I mean, the whole the whole the riff was was inspired by. Um, a lot of people think it's the birds because I mimic the. So you want to be a rock and roll star melody cadence.
2: Then it's time to go downtown, the man won't let you down sell your soul to the company who are waiting there to sell plastic
3: Which might have been subconsciously in my mind, but I was actually trying to I was ripping off Mayor of Simpleton by XTC, which uh. I <laughs> loved. Yeah, and so and that one had that same sort of descending bass thing going. Yes. And the guitar was sort of doing some sort of a arpeggiated thing on on that. And I mean, I shamelessly bit that as hard as I could chew, but without. Com- plagiarizing it because believe me <laughs> yeah it, it does not get far past uh the, the uh the due diligence process at a label if there's something like that happening so uh, i but love it,
0: how the bass and the guitar chase each other during that part it's so yeah cool.
3: and it's cool when you when you can like sit there and make something like that happen when, when you're you know when you're coming up with it and you're like oh god this is so fun i could do this all day well listen how they're counter counterpointing each other you know and so yeah. Uh, it that just stuck, and then it just so happened to be that that guitar thing became. I had to pick and choose my battles as a three-piece, whether to do the the chunk, the kung 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 or the boom ba doo doo So yeah. that's two different guitar parts recorded. So I would just play a combination of both. Uh, yeah. I would chunk it and or it with a chorus pedal on it and make it kind of sound kind of chorally and like dreamy sounding, but at the same time keeping the, uh, the chunky thing going live.
0: That's awesome. Well, we get into the second verse, and there's a rhyme scheme difference here from verse one that I want to talk about that, that, that's really interesting. I'm going to read the lyric, and I'll, and I'll talk about that. Um, I've got a shrink. I swear he's Elvis, I think. He wears the coolest suede shoes when I come in with the blues. He thinks it's all about, and everywhere on Google it says all about culture and art, but I swear you get an R in there, O-U-R, like like yours and mine. He thinks it's all about our culture and art. Is that what you say there? Gotta
2: shrink, I swear he's Elvis. I think he wears the coolest suede shoes when I come in with the blues. He thinks it's all about culture and art, but the truth of it is that it really...
3: No, it's all about, he He thinks it's all about culture and art. Okay. I might have just, like, thrown a little extra
0: syllable at you for... then. Okay, well, yeah. then then we'll go with that then. He uh, he thinks it's all about culture and art, but the truth of it is that it rips me apart. So on the first verse, on the second line, because all the geeks that I meet, they all look cooler than me. And the last line, because you're the freak of the week, because you're on the TV, me and TV. Well, here in the second verse, um, the last line should have if it was mimicked after the first verse, should have rhymed with blues in the second line, but you don't do it there. You say he thinks it's all about culture and art, but the truth of it is that it rips me apart. Was that just what the lyric was? Did you ever think, and I find myself doing this when I write songs, I go, well, the first verse on the fourth line, it rhymed with the second line, I got to do it in the second verse.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. Sometimes I do change it up for the second verse, but I can't remember if I did that intentionally or not. I was going for those, what they, I guess, call inner, inner rhyme schemes. On uh-huh. the second, you know, where 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 you take, you know, the one line and it has, you know, shrink and think and blues and shoes and it, it, you know that kind of thing. Uh, the and first- it's
0: brilliant because I hate that about myself as I've gotten older, and I'm sure there's things about yourself where you go, man, I wish I was still naive in a sense where I overthink things as a songwriter. I go, it was like this the first verse. That's got to be like, no, if it makes you feel good on the second verse, it can be the way that it is.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't know why I did that. At the time, it might have just been, uh, you know, like I said, there could have been a song that did it that I loved, uh, and it was just subconsciously in my brain that way to, to to put it there.
0: And again, on the second line and the fourth line of verse two, there's those subtle harmonies that are there that just adds that little octaves, little extra. Yeah, yeah, those octaves are really cool. Um, what are you saying here? You know, I've got a shrink. I swear he's Elvis. I think. Uh, what, what, set up th- set up this verse now for us.
3: It's uh, again, this is the this is the subject uh having to uh, come to terms with their selling out and and how it's affecting their friendships back home and their relationships and what people being really concerned with what people think of them, especially their OG fans and their OG. It's it's I mean, it's it, it literally is the the piss take of punk rock and how mm-hmm. like you really no no, man, I, I don't want that one guy at the record store to get mad at me. <laughs> you know, and, um, which
0: is interesting though, because I guess you're taking an outside look at, at, at the other bands is. because because at this point yourself uh, self admitted you didn't have a pot to piss in. No. I mean, you so so it wasn't about you selling out. It was about what you were observing
3: as me observing it and then wondering if that would ever happen. And, and, uh, and, 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 that's why, that's the, cool. you know, getting together with a, with a shrink to uh, discuss all this. And even he has cool shoes, you know, and I'm like, it's making me doubt his integrity. <laughs> you
0: know That is awesome, it's man. It's ridiculous. That, yeah. That is that, that, that I had no idea. That's why I, I love doing this show. You learn things like that. Cause I've sung this lyric so many times over the years and had no idea. That's what you were, you were getting after. Oh, that's uh, fun. That's awesome. We're already at one minute and five. I say already. We're at one minute and five seconds. Usually in a lot of songs, you don't get to the first chorus. We're already at the second chorus now. It's the same as the first chorus. Um, I'm going to read the lyric again. Can you make me a promise? Stop it before we begin. Will you hold on to my head? And there's harmonies, nice high harmonies on all three of those. The last line's just you. If I ever lose it again. And there was moving rock chords there. Da-da-da-da-da. And then I call it the killer breakdown part. It's, and I wrote, it's the jung junk jung junk. Part, uh, that comes <laughs> in there, and it's just heavy.
3: Had to have a minimum of four junk junks at the time on the radio. <laughs>
0: it's awesome. It is so rock. And I remember when I found out this song was you, I'm like, yes. Cause I, I could feel the spirit of the eighties. This part reminds me, not even so much eighties, more seventies. Like I hear the sweet. I don't know if you remember stars. Dude, stars, love, and suite, those, dude those stars and sweet, all those days were stars and the Even raspberries Edgar all Winter those Group. bands oh yeah
3: those bands yeah. were all big for us those were big yeah. bands for us we love and
0: them. uh the the third time of the jung jung uh the guitar harmony comes in and then when the band is in it's the octave dink 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 And I'm also hearing now, as I hark back, almost sounds a little
3: Floyd's funk revival in there. You're getting a little of that it's '70s. A little, yeah, there, there, there's a, all of a sudden a funky element comes in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but that part is
0: is so good.
2: It's so good.
0: Yeah, um, it's fun. And then the band ramps up to this like crescendo, and then the, the whole bottom drops out. Of course. And it's just the guitar. Single guitar and a quiet vocal that's kind of just kind of swirling and moving around. And I don't know if you did this intentionally or if you even know what the hell I'm talking about, Butch. But here at the bridge, uh, the Tell Me I Sold Out, Tell Me I Sold Out, Go Ahead. That lyric happens twice. And as that's happening, uh, that starts at the one... uh, one twenty second mark, around one forty six in the song, there's a guitar flub on those mutes. Tell me
2: you're sold out. Tell me you're sold out, go ahead. Tell me you're sold out. Tell me you're sold out,
3: go ahead. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, no but it doesn't surprise me because I didn't really I just I'm not a big fan of retakes, you know. I like to... it, it,
0: it, it is it is a beautiful mistake. But but that's something that that you, probably maybe now that you would go oh that has to be fixed. It's an no, obvious No, I would rather not fix it. Good. Good to that's good to
3: hear. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just I mean that that to me that I grew up listening to records on headphones cuz you know if they were loud in the house, you know, you might get yelled at. So I would listen to all the little weird imperfections on like Aerosmith records and yeah Queen records even. I mean everybody thinks that band is so perfectly aligned and like overproduced and it's like there's not a lot going on on those records. It's vocals that are like they're the vocals are like the symphony but the band underneath is a three piece. Yeah. And it's like and they're making all kinds of weird fucking noises and flubs and stuff and if you get the solo tracks on youtube now and listen to some of those you're like oh man there's bad notes all over the place and it's like but but that's that's i don't know that's the character and what keeps it interesting to listen to you know just the
0: fact that you left that in there you just said the word character you took the words out of my mouth it it adds this realness this authenticity to it this song doesn't sound fake and corporate and produced there's something something real here and i and i love that i i i noticed that and i kept going back to it and i'm like wait a second. It, it, is a, it is a guitar flub. It's not perfect, but but it is perfect for the song. It's perfect. <laughs> um, we then get into basically after the tell me I sold out, tell me I sold out, go ahead. The mood changes uh, uh, musically. Uh, it's the same vocal melody, but the guitar is panned off to the right playing this kind of staccato pattern while the other guitar is pan right playing like uh, an arpeggiated part. Um, there's no harmonies here, but you come back uh, and sing the first verse again. Underneath, underneath it, it. Yeah, underneath it. The tell me I sold out, tell me I sold out, go ahead is going. And now the uh, first verse comes back. And I spent a lot of, on all the clothes that I got, because all the geeks that I meet, they all look cooler than me. And right there, though, you do this na-na thing. I the clothes that I
2: got, all the geeks that I meet, they all look cooler than me.
3: No, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my best, my what, worst what, Michael Jackson imitation probably. <laughs> yeah. Were you just kind of, uh, as we call, scatting on the mic, and it's something always, you left in? Always, I mean, I I did that all the time anyway. Like you know, that would just like ah, uh, you know, like that, and it is a Michael Jackson and a Prince thing and all that. But like, I, I watched mean, I a bunch
0: of, li- I watched a bunch of live videos. You're talking about there's things in this song that the audience reacts to, and everyone. Do the, does the uh, uh, na-na with yeah, the, with, with the fist in the air. Yeah, they it's, do. <laughs> it's so, it's so, I got goosebumps watching it last time. I'm like, that is so cool. That's fun. Um, for what to do when they're all looking at you because you're the freak of the week. And then the last line kind of fades in the mix because you're on the TV because the basically the other uh, vocal that was underneath it, the tell me I sold, and you yeah. hold the sold, the, the note out real high. Yeah, yeah. It's now in unison with the chorus as the chorus comes back in for the quadruple chorus at yeah. the end of the song.
2: Stop it Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> nice. Well you remember you remember the Manfred Mann song that they covered the Bruce Springsteen song Blinded by the Light Of course yeah it's a pretty rocking version and it's a pretty great recording and the way that they do the vocal round at the end was probably an influence in in my younger years on on this song because you know they go into the blinded by the light <laughs> Wrapped up like a deuce, another runner, and they keep that going. Then the do on the phone, on the ceiling, kind of. So he goes back to the first verse and puts it underneath, and I'm like, oh, that's good.
2: Ooh. That is the so old, cool. That's the old so vocal
3: cool. round. I I I could back this in modern music, and so I I did it a lot. You know, to songs where the last chorus, uh. I would like. Make a vocal round out of it, which I do on Freak of the Week as well. So that is so cool that you reference that. That is, re- I, yeah. I
0: totally hear that now, and I never would have would have thought that unless you said something. Thank, thank you for sharing that. The, <laughs> uh, the, the. I'm calling it the quadruple chorus. So a double chorus comes in. It's the same as the first two choruses. I'll read the lyric uh, one time for the last time. Can you make me a promise? Stop it before we begin. Will you hold on to my head if I ever lose it again? And after the second time. Then the chord progression changes back to the bridge progression. And, but the chorus still goes another two times. You're singing the chorus lyric over the bridge progression. cool
3: yeah yeah totally that's where that vocal round thing just came back and was like this makes perfect sense you know especially instead of the broken down uh the broken down version of the chords in the bridge at the outro we did the bridge but we just kept the beat going just like the chorus so it's doing the you know you know and so it's going through those chords tell me your soul mm-hmm. tell me I'm so loud. go ahead. So we just, we brought that back, but ramped up. And it, and then it, I, this was a, this was my first time using, like I said, a computer to record records and using Pro Tools. So I was fascinated with this ability to, ability to, uh, uh, copy and paste parts. Yeah. I'd never been able to do that. So, <laughs> I, so, so I, I took the tell me, I took the, um, uh, tell me I sold out, tell me I sold out, go ahead from the bridge and put it underneath at the end while it's going, you know, can you make, yeah, I promise, and that actually might have been even what we call flown. Yeah, copy and pasted on the end. I might have just been doing making that chorus just out of spending too much time in front of the computer one night and going like, "Oh my God, you can do this!" and then. There, there you have it. You know. Well, I'll
0: tell you, the, the chorus of this song is the hook, but you get two choruses in this song. That bridge is kind of a chorus that yeah, tell me yeah, I sold that out. Was,
3: that's, that's the hook most people remember from the song whenever they go, what, what song is that? And then I'll go like, oh, you know, tell me I sold out. And I go, oh yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's interesting
0: too because the only time the song's called Freak of the Week is, is the fourth line in the first verse. It's the only, It's not in the refrain of the song. It's not the big by, chorus hook yeah, that you by hear. Design, so,
3: of, again, by design. That was like, Oh, I like, I don't like it when like a song is, is the, the, the chorus is the title, you know, <laughs> it's like, so full no, of my but, fucking self at the time.
0: No, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Um, <laughs> the third time uh, that the chorus comes around and now the vocals too, they're in stereo at the end here. It, they go stereo they're panned uh, hard each of them it's mm-hmm. so cool um the third time the chorus comes back in with the tell me you saw that lyric uh continuing underneath now basically till the song fades out and i had one last thing in the notes here i had to say is uh there is some just killer bass runs and note choices here at, at, at the fade out jace did some really cool stuff yeah.
3: I'm telling you, that's what that was the best thing about us uh, going through our funky phase in the '90s, where like we were like obsessed with uh, like funk rock bands from the '70s, like Mother's Finest and and of course like the Almond Brothers and uh, uh, I mean you name it. It was like, but we did we were not trying to make a Southern rock record, you know? We were like we were we were somehow gonna take all of that and. Put it into Tom Peterson's base and make it sound like Cheap Trick, you know, <laughs> which I've completely failed to mention. That that was one of our big. That was an architect for that band for the Marvelous Three was was Cheap Trick. Sure. By by, by and large.
0: Can can yeah. I can I can totally hear that. Well. Yeah um this song uh I've, I've loved it to the first time I heard it and just getting to just really absorb myself the last two days and it uh it's I cranked it up I went grocery shopping last night and I just put it in my car I floored it the volume to like 11 and I'm just singing it with the windows down and I just <laughs> i am serious man like it's That's it's awesome it's a, it's a, it's, awesome. It's, it's a I, I love this tune um and one last thing but before I let you go I have to say something else and, and again I, I uh, not blowing smoke I've told a lot of people about a lot of younger bands you know, how do you make it how do you do this and do that, and 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 being able to constantly pivot and 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 reinvent and change with the times. And you know, the, you're the first person I ever co-wrote a song with. Well, started to co-write a song. Lesson Jake was doing the In with the Out Crowd record. We were at uh, one of those studios out in Burbank somewhere. I don't know. And you you had come down. Um, uh, I remember my that. manager. My manager said, you know, would you want to write with Butch Walker? I'm like, are you kidding? And you walked in that day, and I was shaking. I was like a kid in a candy store. Uh. And and you came. You came in. And I had this song called uh, Don't Fall Asleep on the Subway, and I had played it for you. And one of the things I'll never forget was you looked at me at the end and you just, you just said to me, you said, and most guys would never do this. Most guys would want to try to get some money out of something. And you just looked at me and go, well, what do you want me to do with this? This is a great song. And I've, I've never respected somebody in the business more than that. I'll never forget that. We ended up not doing a co-write together. We, we spent an hour on that, and you had to be somewhere else. And that was kind of, kind of the end of it. That was my first co-writing experience was you telling me, oh, this song is what it is. What, what do you want me to do with, do to it? And yeah. I'm sitting there slack-jawed going,
3: well, you're supposed to make it better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I want to thank you for, for being that, that humble and that freaking cool, man.
3: Oh, well, sometimes, you know, if if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, that's the thing. It, a lot of people don't understand that. I mean, I did that on the last Green Day record where they came in with, you know, I don't I don't care if people think that I had a lot to do with it or not. Uh, like when they brought me uh, the demo, so to speak, and they brought me the demo to the song Father of All, which mm-hmm. was uh, Father of All Motherfuckers, you know, that record. They, they brought me the, the recording of it, and it was... It was, it was done. I was like, this is great, and I was like, I was like, we can't re-record the the track. I mean, we can add a couple of things and maybe re- fine-tune it a little bit, but we can't re-record this. And they all three were like, oh god, I'm so glad you said that, you know, because they were like. <laughs> We really love this version, and I'm like, it's got so much fire, it's crazy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fuck this up for you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't want to like take this and like just to for vanity's sake say, oh, I had to, I had to completely fix that song and re-record it you know, that's what A&R guys do. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to, well, I don't need not, to do that. You know,
0: not a lot of guys in this business have that uh, humility and that restraint. And that's, uh, that's refreshing, but no. man, um, I, I want to thank you so much for sitting in. I, I I know you got You got a busy day ahead and if there's anything you'd like to leave the listeners right now with uh Butch Walker solo, maybe a marvelous three uh, reunion. We could play a show with less than Jake hint, hint, nudge, That'd nudge. That'd be really
3: fun. We've been, we, we, we've been, we've been talking a lot about trying to maybe get back together to play some, play some shows and, just getting getting my my barn and jam you know
0: yeah right on right on yeah well good deal man well hey thank you so much and 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 have a great rest of your day
3: you too my man thanks
0: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris to Makes a podcast, all you have to do is submit your song and bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured band is Everyone Lies from Hampshire, England. The band consists of Adam on vocals and guitar, Ben on guitar and vocals, Stokesy on bass and vocals, and Lockie on the drums. You can find them on Instagram at Band. Here's a snippet of their song, Biscuits.
2: Goodbye, Demos. Hey hey, hey, finish killing me. Goodbye, demons. Hey finish killing me. My life is crack broken beat up and bird. The rap with Chris and Chris.
1: Well, that was easily one of my favorite episodes ever. And I think that Butch is the perfect example of someone with a healthy obsession with all types of music, which then obviously spills right over into his songwriting.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy that just... uh... Uh, eat, Breathe, and Sleeps music. Uh, he was probably that kid that was in his headphones falling asleep uh, uh, in his 10th grade science class, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, nodding off to the teacher. You know, um, he even talked about when he got that first Pro Tools where he, you know, fall asleep at six in the morning holding the mouse. He's just, he uh, has a healthy obsession and, and, it, and it bleeds into his uh, into his songwriting.
1: And I think it's cool that He's played so many different styles of music, but not in a following the trends kind of way. He just seems like a guy that just is interested in so many styles of music. Because honestly, man, you could write a song and play it in different styles. And if you are a fan of so many different types of music, which came across even in you talking about this one song and you talking about Freak of the Week, there were so many different styles of music incorporated into the writing of this song that, yeah, I could see how he could be in a hair metalish type band then a funk band then Marvellous 3.
0: Yeah, I mean he he took off for LA when he was 18 years old. Uh the band was called Bite the Bullet. They changed the name to South, South Gang. They got a record deal. You know, he was uh the ripe old age of 18 when he formed Marvellous 3. He was in his late 20s, which is 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 crazy. You know, that that to me is so young now. Uh you know, he still had a whole whole uh lifetime ahead of him as a career and Marvellous 3 was basically his his third band at that point, you know, from South gang to floyd's funk revival uh then they, they shortened the name to the floyds and then uh marvelous three and then of course going on to uh to, to having a successful solo career and then being a songwriter to the stars
1: <laughs> hey uh something i thought was really cool and should be kind of inspiring to anyone in a local band out there and hey Local band is not a derogatory term. Less Than Jake is a local band in Gainesville. (laughs) Everybody's a local band where you're from. But something I found inspiring was Butch talked about, and I assume that all cities have this. In Pittsburgh, we have a radio station. It's the rock station called The X. And on Sunday nights, they have a program called Edge of the X where they play local music. And you can hear your band on the radio for the first time and Chris I'm sure you've experienced that I don't know what your station was in Florida well uh, yeah but-
0: our, our station was the the campus station the University of Florida called Rock 104 and they had a, it was called Locals Only and I, I think it was on Sunday night uh, as Butch said when uh, you know here we'll give the locals their you know when no one's listening to the radio uh, just the musicians right. and maybe a few of their girlfriends would, would, would tune in but uh, I was delivering pizzas in Gainesville Florida for Gumby's Pizza and I uh, was out on a pizza to run, listen to the locals only, and they played liquor store, and uh, I about I about damn ran my truck off the road. You know, it was just like my gosh, it was the craziest thing to hear your hear your your own band on the radio.
1: Right, it's always an exciting thing. Granted, ninety nine X in Atlanta is one of the biggest rock stations, probably along the lines of K Rock. I think you referred to it as K Rock of the South when we talked earlier about this. But it's pretty cool that basically it was a big break for their band to get played on that local Sunday night show.
0: Well, it was, and, and not to take anything away from Butch's hard work. I mean, he was kind of uh, like a local hero in a sense. I don't think he gives himself enough credit. He was known in the Atlanta area. He had been a musician, as he uh, said, you know, toughing it out in the clubs. And, of course, South Gang was from from Atlanta and the, the Floyds did a lot of touring in the southeast. But, uh, you know, being able to walk into 99X and have that opportunity. You know, I lived in Atlanta in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s for about uh, two, two, two and a half years. And uh, it was just a huge influential station what 99x was playing other stations uh would look at their playlist and and uh, and play it and they also were the sponsor of Music Midtown, which was a huge festival in Atlanta. Uh, they would rope off uh, uh, Midtown Atlanta with a ton of stages. It'd be a you know a weekend festival, and that's where I, I saw Marvelous Three for the first time. And Butch came out. Uh, we talked about in the episode. It was you know late May in Atlanta is is pretty damn humid. It was probably ninety five degrees out. And Here comes this dude in, in eyeliner and in this red leather jacket, long you know long sleeve jacket, and I was like. Uh, you know that guy's got some uh got some balls coming out like that he, he's I thought I thought I thought it was really cool. And he talked about and we didn't get into it. But I, for the listeners, I'd like to let them know he talked about losing that jacket in a fire. Uh, in November 2007, Butch and his family lost all of their possessions, uh, including the masters to every song that he ever recorded. He was renting a home from Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers out in Malibu. And there was uh, wildfires that swept through the area and uh, took his home down. He lost all the master recordings to every song uh, uh that he ever wrote as well so it was a pretty pretty devastating time but i wanted to let the listeners know what we were referencing uh, when we talked about that
1: yeah that is awful but i'm glad no one got hurt but still that's devastating yeah uh that's ir- irreplaceable type stuff but uh yeah hey another thing that you guys talked about on this episode you mentioned a lot of bands but the knack came up a couple times which is interesting because little plug I host another podcast called One Hit Thunder about One Hit Wonders, and we did an episode about My Sharona featuring Linus of Hollywood, who people might know from Nerf Herder and from Jorinus, which is a side project with Jared Reddick from Bowling for Soup. Anyway, I didn't know a lot about that band, but My Sharona was the biggest song of 1979, and that band was... On the path, I guess people thought they were going to be like the next Beatles or something, which I would have never guessed for my Sharona, which sounds kind of wacky to me in a way or something. But that band had such a look. They had that like button up shirt, skinny tie look that so many bands emulated over the years. And, you know, I thought it, even when you talk about the lyrics to Freak of the Week, which kind of deals with this, Chris, I think you and I are kind of in the same boat of. Being in bands for a long time that never really had a particular look. <laughs> more, more were just all about the music. I could be wrong about that. I don't mean to uh, say that about Les and Jake if it's not true. No,
0: yeah, no. We, we we tried doing some different looks with photo shoots. They just always would come off forced. You know, some some people have that X factor. Some people don't. You know, a, a guy like Davey Havoc can uh, put on the eyeliner and have the goth look and the and the you know the the vinyl pants and, and pull it off. But, uh, I wear that. I look like I'm going to a Halloween party.
1: <laughs> we need to have, we need to have a podcast. Look, we need to get <laughs> yeah. podcast press photos. we, we got to have some sort of look. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. As I'm out. in my tidy
0: whitey scratching my balls. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, <laughs> thank uh, God. This, thank God. This is uh, audio only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are fully clothed. Don't worry, everybody. We are fully clothed. <laughs> uh, Hey, one more thing I wanted to touch on that you guys talked about, Chris, I thought this was so cool, was you talked about the concept of a beautiful mistake, which I thought was a really cool way to put that, but there's a guitar flub in this song. It's an imperfection in the song that is just so cool. Butch proclaimed, I'd rather not fix it about this. I know you said you you could point out the exact moment in the song where this happens.
0: Yeah, listeners, uh, check it out. It, uh, it's the Tell Me I Sold Out uh, breakdown part, uh, the bridge at 1 minute and 46 seconds. There's a, a flubbed guitar note that they left in there. We call that a beautiful mistake. And it's those uh, those real elements that, uh, that make a song sound human and not robotic. I think it was uh, great that they left it in there.
1: My favorite example of this, I'm a huge fan of this band, but in the 90s, 10,000 Maniacs released an unplugged album and they did a cover of Because the Night. And like in the bridge section, I think it is, Natalie Merchant is singing Take Me Now. On the second Take Me Now, her voice cracks. And it is this moment that I honestly believe makes the song. It is so memorable. It's it could be considered a mistake. Her voice cracks, but it's it's beautiful. It's a beautiful mistake, and uh, pr- pretty cool, man. Pretty cool that uh, Butch was down with that because it's especially nowadays with Pro Tools and Logic and everything else. It's pretty easy to make your song sound absolutely perfect in every way but I think we've learned on a lot of episodes now that's not always the best way to do it.
0: No, those imperfect imperfections uh, are are, are meant to be sometimes for a reason.
1: Wow. What a story you had of your songwriting or... I guess I should say non-songwriting experience with Butch Walker.
0: Yeah, I was stoked to write a song with him. I had followed his career, like I said, I I, I looked up to him, constantly reinventing himself, being able to pivot in this crazy industry, and 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 uh, find a path for himself and be successful. And uh, getting to write with him was so cool. And just to have him be have that humility and just be so humble of like I don't know, man. Well, what do you want me to do with this song? And I'm like. And back in my mind, I'm like, I want you to make it better, you know? And he was basically telling me that the song is what it is. He referenced the Green Day project he last worked on. And uh, I just, I'll I'll never forget that. I thought that was uh, really telling of, of the kind of person that Butch is.
1: That's character, man.
0: And speaking of character, Chris... Each and every listener of this podcast shows their true character each month by giving towards our fundraiser. Which this month, that's the National Brain Tumor Society, and your donations will go to research and treatment towards a cure for brain cancer. Uh, this is a horrible, incurable disease at the moment, and any any help uh, would be appreciated. Please head over to christamakesadifference.com dot com and uh, and give
1: whatever you can. Yeah, man, this is a really great cause this month. Uh, I'm sure that most people out there have been touched one way or another, whether it's a friend or a family member by cancer. So we all know uh, that this is a great cause. So if you have a few extra bucks, head over to chrisdemakesadifference.com and give what you can give like you guys always do.
0: Yeah, we'd appreciate it. Cancer is just—it's uh, just so prevalent, and this is—I uh, don't know. This is our second or third uh, uh, cancer fundraiser now that we've that we've done, Chris, because it just—it affects everybody. So again, please, if you could head over to ChristaMakesADifference uh and, and help us out, that'd be that'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you haven't already, give me a follow over on Instagram at less than Chris D. I'd appreciate the follows. I'm still trying to surpass my bass player Roger Lima and less than Jake. Uh, it's a friendly rivalry. He's about six thousand fans ahead of me. I I just I don't know my my ego's bruised, Chris. It's like I think he's just better looking. I, I don't know. He
1: he had he has the dreads. I think it's the. <laughs> Do I, I need a dread wig?
0: Yeah,
1: I think you got. I think you need dreads, and you'll pass him up. <laughs>
0: I'm not keeping tabs or anything. He's only 6,543 ahead of me. I'm about to, anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and uh, if
0: you haven't already, please check out our Facebook group. It's a lot of fun. The Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group. We uh, Gosh, I think we're over 3,000 members now, Chris, and growing. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful community. It's free to join. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to give a, a shout-out to a couple of uh, people in the group, Mr. Mark Leibowitz and Mr. Bobby Poole. Thank you for being members, and thank you for supporting Krista Makes A podcast. Chris and I appreciate it.
1: I'm in that group every day. I love having conversations with people. I don't care what it is. I'll post my hot take on my favorite Lagwagon album or whatever it is I want to talk about. I know that I'll spark a good conversation in there because I got a lot of people with a lot of opinions, but it's always in good fun, man. So, you know, if you have Facebook, join the Krista Makes a Podcast Facebook group because I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, that's the most fun place to be. On no, that entire is. website.
0: And 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 the interaction in there is incredible. And I, I honestly, I thank each and every one of you that uh, that are members of the group. But it, it is a lot of fun. And uh, speaking of a lot of fun, Chris, I have a brand new single out that we're going to play the song as we wrap oh, up yeah. wrap up the show today. The song's called Father Time. It's from uh, the latest 7-inch, uh, released uh, in conjunction with my book, Blast from the Past.
1: Yeah, it came out on Smart Punk Records. And yeah, it's in support of the book. If you haven't picked up the book yet... You're insane. You're absolutely insane if you did not get a copy of Blast from the Past yet. Uh, and you could get yours at Chris Demake's A Book. .com. Yes, we have every Chris Demakes uh, website that, that you could possibly have. Um, we cornered the market I, on those domains. Dude, I bought them all already. I, t- I bought ones I didn't even tell you about. I got Chris Demakes a house.com, <laughs> Chris Demakes a chicken.com, just whatever. You know, Chris Demakes a dinner. Chris Demakes ma- a all. mama. We got everything. Yeah. We got Chris Demakes a book.com, though. That's where you could pick up your own copy of the 7 Inch that features the song we're going to play, what well, we're going to leave everyone with, uh, Father Time today
0: that's right and uh before we uh play the track for you on the way out of this episode i want to thank this week's guest butch walker for sitting in with us and talking about the marvelous three track freak of the week what a great song so uh until then we'll see you next week and here's father time And I'm Flynn McClain. We want to tell you about our podcast, None But the Brave, which is dedicated to taking a deep dive into the work of Bruce Springsteen.
1: We're currently in our fifth season. Our latest episodes focus heavily on Bruce's 2024 tour and have featured such guests as Anthony Castrovince from MLB Network and Barstool's Kirk Minahan. We're also covering the 40th anniversary of Bruce's biggest record, Born in the USA. And as part of that, coming up this week, Uprock's cultural critic Stephen Hyden
0: returns to the show for a fascinating hour-long conversation about his new book, There Was Nothing You Could Do, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and The End of the Heartland. To listen, you can go to our website, mbtbpodcast.com, or subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform.
1: We hope to see you further on up the road.
2: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.